Welcome to the No Wrong Answers podcast, extra credit edition. These bonus segments, which now drop every Thursday, take on education-related news, trends, or research. I will say this week it did not drop on Thursday. Producer Matt Hodap and I have been really busy in our day jobs. Anyway, with these extra credit sections, we dig into topics. We give them to you, hopefully, as a mid- or late-week shot of adrenaline. As always, you can join the conversation at our Facebook page or on Twitter. Just search the No Wrong Answers podcast by Fountain City Frequency. We just completed National Poetry Month in April, and a couple of weeks ago, we asked some of our teachers, Maddie Burkemper, Jamie Myers, and David Muhammad, for a little bit of show-and-tell to celebrate that. We asked them to pick examples of a poem or an excerpt of a poem that they have found personally or professionally inspirational as teachers, or maybe a poem that has been used to particularly good effect in their classroom that's resonated with students. Now, we started this conversation, though, focusing on one particular teacher. You see, David Muhammad is also a rapper in his spare time outside the classroom. And we all watch the TikTok. Brother News watch the TikTok. Maker watch the TikTok. It's still, it's still, it's still figure man. They get defended, I come highly recommended With my plan to kill Trump Next season of Apprentice And I'm just killing time With these thoughts and intuition And you know that I grind like I'm undocumented See, Well, who is that? That's Brother News Who happens to be also Our own David Muhammad Mr. Muhammad, Mr. Mood, by the news. We're playing that because uh, April is National Poetry Month, so we thought it was a, a nice way to enter this conversation about poetry, and, and rap certainly is a form of poetry. And I guess just to start this conversation with you, David, um, how long you've been rapping, and, and um, how does that work into your life as a teacher as well? Yeah, um, I, I've always been a, a part of hip-hop culture, you know, just kind of growing up with my friends and stuff, and Played around with it in high school, um, you know, with some little rap groups that didn't amount to anything. And, and in college, I did a lot of spoken word, like competitions and stuff. Uh, but for the past two and a half years, I've really picked it back up, my involvement. And uh, in December 9, December 9 of 2016, I, I released my first album. Um, and, so and what's it called? Where can they the, find it? Yeah, The Hanging <laughs> Trees. Uh, it's, it's actually based on the symbolism of the Hunger Games trilogy. Um, so I, if you've seen the films or read the books, you know there's a song that Katniss sings called The Hanging Tree. Um, and it's released on all digital outlets, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, wherever. Um, and, and now I'm working on a project called The School Days Project where I'm releasing a song every every week or every other week or so, which has student features either from high school or college level um, and just trying to continue getting out the positive message. So it's been good at the school. I think the kids enjoy seeing me outside of, in a different realm, um, and, and they're all really into music and such. So it's been healthy for me, too. It's revitalized my energy and helped me feel like I'm I'm not being pegged. It's just a one-trick pony. You know, I like maximizing my potentials. So. Yeah. Um, so, you I mean, with this new project, you are releasing a song once a week? Yeah, every wow. about every other week. Like or a new so. song. Yeah, a new song. I've, I've got two out right now, and the either the beat or the vocal features are, are by students. I go find students that, you know, I feel are talented. And I'm going to do this for about maybe a month or two. Um, I'm going to see. I have about eight songs I want to release, um, and then we'll go from there. But it's just a, a way for me to get youth involved and try to help them along the process. I take them to my producer, to the studio, and 
teach them kind of that whole process because I didn't have anybody do that with me. And it's also a way for me from a marketing standpoint, I think it's great because it's kind of fitting the teacher who who is a rapper. But I wanted to show that I'm more so I'm a rapper who teaches. Right. So um, just getting more content out there. So this we're going to get into a larger conversation about poetry, but I guess uh, integrating your own your own music and rap into your professional life. Do you find that kids, um, you know, do they do they see rap as poetry? Do they see it as do they connect it to what they might learn in class? Mm. Well, I think it depends on what kind of rap you're talking about. Right. Like you have you have a genre rap right now, which a lot of it is very much non-lyrical, um, and it's more so about the beat and the emotion that it conveys. And I don't think kids necessarily see that as poetry, but I think that there are are rappers out there who tell good stories and and, and are very um, open uh, open to conveying emotions in, in real life situations. And I think that will always be seen as a poetry. So I think it depends on the the artist itself. You know, you have some art, art music right now that is very nonsensical. And I would very much not call it poetry by any means. But um, you're, you're better high-quality artists. If you can read it without the beat and it's still it's something that conveys thought, then I think that that would be considered poetry. Uh, well, we asked our teachers to bring in examples of um, poems or an excerpt of a poem they f- have found personally or professionally inspirational as teachers. Um, maybe a poem that's been used to particularly good effect in their classroom that resonated with students for some reason. So, um, David, we'll get back to you, but let's also bring Jamie and Maddie into this conversation. Um, I guess we'll just start by asking you what poem you brought in and maybe have you read a, a short excerpt of it. So, Maddie, go ahead. Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout will not take the garbage out. <laughs> <laughs> read that one. <laughs> it's long. I can read an excerpt yeah. of it because it is, is a saga. I'll just read the first bit. They love this one. (laughs) This one was a big fan pleaser. Okay. Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out. She'd scour the pots and scrape the pans, candy the yams and spice the hams. And though her daddy would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. And so it piled up to the ceilings, coffee grounds, potato peelings, brown bananas, rotten peas, chunks of sour cottage cheese. It filled the can, it covered the floor, it cracked the window and blocked the door. With bacon rinds and chicken bones, drippy ends of ice cream cones, prune pits, peach pits, orange peel, gloppy glumps of cold oatmeal, pizza crusts and withered greens, soggy beans and tangerines, crusts of black burned buttered toast, grisly bits of beefy roasts. And it it continues. And like... She just goes and goes and goes until finally, like, all the neighbors moved away. None of her friends would come to play. And finally, Sarah Cynthia Stout said, okay, I'll take the garbage out. But then, of course, it was too late. The garbage reached across the state from New York to the Golden (laughs) Gate. And there in the garbage, she did hate. Poor Sarah met an awful fate that I cannot now relate because the hour is much too late. But children... Remember Sarah Stout and always take the garbage I out. That poem. Yeah. They loved I that. that poem. Yeah, so, I mean, real. there's a whole middle do, part. And that why do they? Why do they love it's it? It's that context. You know, they can connect to it. What kid doesn't have that struggle with chores? And it's also very visceral. I mean, the, the, oh, the language yeah. is very evocative. I get a lot of Ugh, like reactions from the kids. It's Listen really to Jamie fun and to David read. While you were reading, it. <laughs> you know, we I um, integrated that into an English lesson into a writing lesson. And then they wrote about a chore that they despised. Um, You know, we talked about fluency and flow and phrasing and 
um, the rhyming pattern and stuff. So it's just that connection. I think that's why poetry has a pl- such a strong place in education is because it, you know, it cuts through um, the BS and gets to the things that people yeah. connect with, whether it be garbage or, yeah. you know, the haters. Jamie, you brought a book in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Taylor Molly. I probably could have brought some stuff in that we're working on in class, but the kids, and this is a really good reflection actually, but it's called Because My Students Asked Me. What I would want them to do at my funeral, I told them, write and perform a collective poem in which each of you says a line about what I was like as a teacher, about how I made you reach for stars until you became them, about how much you loved to pretend you hated me. Hmm. You mean af- even after you die, you're going to make us do work? <laughs> so um, I just that's one that always resonates with me because, you know, you always hope that you at least reach one kid. Right. And, you know, like Maddie said, you're not you may not actually see the dividends until later. But I've had a kiddo who's been coming and visiting me every year and he's a senior this year and I'm really going to miss him. And so you you hope you get to reach at least one of those right. kids like that mm-hmm. and to have them come and perform a poem at my funeral. Yes, I'll make you do work, but I promise you'll enjoy it. Uh, David, we started with you. We'll come back to you. Uh, did you bring a, yeah. a poem in? I won't read the whole thing. It's it's a little long, but uh, it's actually by my wife, um, Aisha Sharif, and she's a poet herself. And um, it's, it's her, her poem is called um, "Why I Can Dance Down a Soul Train Line and Be Public." in public and still be Muslim. So a lot of her poems have to talk about like her wearing the hijab, the headscarf, or the contradictions between, you know, being African-American but also being Muslim and how some people blur those lines. So I'll just read one line out of it. Uh, My Islam be Sister Clara Muhammad School Black, starting each day with a pledge of allegiance, then prayer, and black history black. It be blue jumpers over blue pants, girls pulling out bangs over their hijabs to look cute black. My Islam be black and Somali boys girl, boys and girls, grades two through eight, learning Arabic in the same classroom because we only had one classroom black. It'd be everybody wearing a coat inside because the building ain't got no heat black. So it's one piece of hers that got published. But, um, yeah, I just I find her, her um, work very fascinating because she delves into a lot of the, the microaggressions that being an African-American and Muslim that you go through. Um, you know, even like as a teacher, kids will see my name on their roster if they don't know who I am. And they'll be like, oh, I thought you were going to be like some Indian guy, you know. And, and then they'll find out I'm Muslim, but be like, wait, but you're black. And I'll be like, yeah, well, you know, Islam isn't a race, right? You know, so there's this educational moment or even within the Muslim world, um, you know, you run into people saying, oh, you're not Muslim enough or you need to learn how to speak Arabic. And so being an African-American, you're always kind of on these, these two sides of the fence that are very sometimes difficult to straddle. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, poetry for a long time has been used by people to express multiple identities. Absolutely, right? yeah. I mean, even like if you look at the music, uh, you know, aspect of what I've been doing and stuff. But you can sometimes say things that you can't say in regular wor- life. You know, like it's hard. You know, so I know my wife. She spends hours and hours writing these um, to convey messages that you can't get out always in daily encounters. Um, she has one piece where she talks about when she was like. 12 or 13 years old she was on a bus and a kid um like spit in her face you know or another case where a kid pulled off her scarf when she was in middle school but when you're that age you're in such shock and you don't know how to dialogue so now as a you know 35 year old woman I hope she doesn't mind that I gave her age away you know she's 
able to convey how it felt and that might help somebody else um, who's going through those situations. Right. Well, we will go out with another song by our own David Muhammad, who raps under the name Brother News. Again, the name of your album? The Hanging Trees. You can find that uh, really anywhere. iTunes, anywhere else, Spotify. Yep. The Hanging Trees by Brother News. That's it for this edition of No Wrong Answers. Extra credit to download this and past episodes of No Wrong Answers. Go to iTunes and search for No Wrong Answers by Fountain City Frequency. We will have full episodes drop every Monday and these extra credits on Wednesday. Also, you can join the conversation on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter. Just look for the No Wrong Answers podcast. Thanks to our teachers on this extra credit, Maddie Burkemper, Jamie Myers, David Muhammad. Thanks also to Matt Hodap, who produces the podcast. Thanks to KCUR 89.3, Kansas City Public Radio, where we tape. I'm Kyle Palmer. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Why mother sick and